0: this idea of home. When you're a college student and you've been away for months and a holiday comes by, you say, uh, and holidays come by, they go, where are you going? And usually the college student will say, I'm going home. Uh, if, if it's Thanksgiving and, uh, you know, uh, your friends at the job, they ask you, they come up to you and they say, you know, where are you going? You could be going to a different state and you go, I'm going home. Home has a, a powerful effect on us. It's the place where most of us find our security. It's the place where most of us find familiari- familiarity. Uh, I, I remember, uh, I, I spoke not long ago to an uncle who I had never met before. Uh, And I spoke to him about a year ago, and he was close to death from Puerto Rico. And uh, I had never met him before, and I remember speaking to him on the phone. It just felt like I was with a dear and close friend. His family and home and security, they're all wrapped up into that. I know that uh, we even have a, a language of uh, that we come up with to describe the comforts and the joy of being home, right? Isn't it true? If you've been um, if you've been far away for a long time, you'll say, you know, I'm feeling homesick. Like I'm, I've just been away too long. If if you're uh, uh, If you've been on the road for a long time and you get home, one of the kids says something like, Home at last. Because home is the place of security. It's the place of joy. It's the place of of peace. It's the place of being fulfilled. Hey, even Dorothy clicked her heels and said there's... Anybody know? No place like home. There isn't, is there? There's no place like home. Now, for some of us, when we talk for home, when we talk about home, it doesn't ring the kind of bells we wish it would. For some of us, home isn't where the heart is. Home is where the hurt is. Home is where the pain is. And there's a brokenheartedness to that because we wish we could call some places safe and good and comfortable and secure, but for some of us, that just doesn't exist. Today, we're going to talk about that feeling that you feel now, that comfort, that joy, that home that you feel coming here, because while we're home with our church family, and this is a great place to be, ultimately, this is not our ultimate home. There's a home, a better home. A more wonderful home to look forward to. A home where security and joy, peace and happiness, satisfaction and love, where they all coexist in a way that you and I can't even begin to describe. There is a home that we're coming to that isn't here yet. There's a there's a great uh, story about a missionary who, um, who was with his wife uh, serving in Africa and they had served for many decades. And they were old and they were coming home and they had given everything to God. And so they were on a boat, this was many years ago, they were on a boat coming back uh, to New York where they would be living. And in their coming back, they found out that on the ship that they were on, Theodore Roosevelt was on it. And so they had banners and they had musicians and it was just incredible. Theodore Roosevelt was going back to New York and it was a big deal. And so as they were coming back, he saw, you know, there there was a big celebration on the boat about Theodore Roosevelt and as as they were coming in and they were pulling in port, they could see banners and they would say, and they thought, the husband thought to himself, he said, I think that the missionary society the churches that sent us out i think that they're celebrating us too because it wasn't on the boat and as they moved closer they found out it was for teddy roosevelt it was more celebration he had just come back from a um in africa he had just come back from a a safari and they were celebrating that he was coming home and 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 the missionary with broken heart kind of went off to the side of the boat and he said god This isn't right. I've given my whole life to serving and loving and given myself to proclaiming your word. I've I've shared you with others. This isn't right that this guy goes on a safari and he gets this kind of homecoming and we come home to nothing. And he prayed and he was quiet for a little bit after having prayed his heart out. And then he heard a whisper. He said, uh, heard almost someone clear his throat. throat) But you're not home yet. Listen, beloved. No matter how painful your home might find itself, let me let let you know. You're not home yet. No matter how, how beautiful the floors look here, there's a place where the floors are paved with gold. No matter how beautiful the doors look, there's a place that doors, the gates, are made with pearls. No matter how comfortable you feel on those chairs, there's one whose name is peace. who longs to draw you to himself and says that he'll be your home. His name is Jesus. And so it's of that home that we're going to speak about today. I want you to open up your Bibles to the book of Revelation. We're going to take a break. We're in, the, we're in a series in the book of James, and we're taking a one-week break to sort of celebrate what's going on here. And it's in the book of Revelation. You'll find it in the second to last chapter in the Bible. So just go all the way to the end of your Bible, and then kind of go to the second to last chapter. That's verse 21. When you get there, say, I got it. If you're not there yet, say, help me, Jesus. Yeah. It's in the last book. Of, yeah, I know. It's okay. Now, if you're new and you do not have a Bible, we've thought about you. I want you to open up your bulletin. In your bulletin, there is an uh, insert. We call it our sermon map. And it's if you're new, listen, when I first started to come to church, uh, or to come to a church building and co- with a congregation. When I first started to do that, I didn't bring my Bible. I just didn't know to. And so um, we've thought of you. And so you could follow along. If you open up your bulletin, there's the scripture. We call it our sermon map. And there's a little places to write notes and all that. And you can write in there. But the book of, of Revelation is an interesting book. It's a book written by a guy who's on, in prison to a people who are being persecuted. A guy who's in prison to a people who are persecuted. He's experiencing all sorts of pain and suffering, difficulty and stress, strife and uncertainty. It's the kind of pain that being on a prison island will bring. That's where he is. John. You've heard of him, right? St. John uh, the Apostle. He is a wonderful figure, young guy when Jesus comes on the scene, follows Jesus at a young age, and has been an effective witness for Christ. As he's been serving Jesus, nothing but pain and suffering and difficulty come his way. Now, I know that that's not very popular here in the American church because in the American church, we're supposed to be healthy and wealthy and your car is never supposed to break down, your kids are never supposed to die before you, your body's never supposed to get cancer. It's just, you know, it's supposed to be nothing but good stuff. John knew better than that. John knew that while everybody else was being celebrated and he would go, with God, where's my homecoming? God would clear his throat and say... you ain't home yet. You ain't. And so don't get comfortable here because you're not home. I do some speaking in different places. Like I go, I'm I'm, uh, speaking very uh, soon in another state and I speak at different churches and and pray for me. I'll be speaking at a Korean church and um, the Koreans love me. Brooklyn's? (laughs) Brooklyn, not so much. Koreans love me. So, So I'm going to the church. I'm going to this uh, Korean church, and um, uh, so I'm going to the church, and they they said, you know, it's so far away. It's we were going to think we were going to drive. It's like uh, I forget. It's like Philadelphia or something like that, or Pennsylvania or Philadelphia, one of those. But it's like several hours away. And so what they've done is they said, you know, we'll put you up in a hotel. And I know what happens in a hotel. When I go to a hotel, I drop my bag. I leave it there, and we do whatever we do. You know, we use the pool downstairs, we walk around, we look around. We do that sort of thing. And, and But you know what I never do at a hotel? I never fully unpack. I never fully unpack because in a hotel, I'm just passing through. There's no need to get really, really comfortable in a hotel because I'm just staying for a little while. And, 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 and if the sheets aren't so comfortable, and if the bed's a little lumpy, it's not that big of a deal because I'm just passing through. The fact that I can endure some difficult hotels and some maybe hotels that aren't as comfortable or as nice as others, it's because it's just for a short while. Because I'm not home yet. I'm not home. And so on this earth, this is a great big hotel. You will suffer far better. You will go through difficulties far better if you understand that you're not home yet. You will go through marital strife far better if you recognize you ain't home yet. You will go through, listen to me, you will go through pain with your children in a whole different way if you recognize you ain't home yet. Don't, don't unpack. Don't unpack. Leave the bag, leave the clothes inside the bag. Put the, you know... Keep the shoes in the case because, beloved, you ain't home yet. You ain't home yet. There's a home to look forward to. John wrote this letter from prison to a persecuted people because there was pain and suffering. The churches that he wrote to were experiencing persecution and difficulty, pain and strife, heartache and hurt. They would say things like, serving Jesus is not easy. It brings about suffering and pain and difficulty. And sometimes when I serve Jesus, friends, they kind of leave. And people who were down are no longer down. And people who loved me and loved being around me no longer have that sort of experience. They try to avoid me now. Now now I call certain people up and then take three or four rings. It's just the first ring. You are going to voicemail. Thank you very much. And there's, there's a kind of an uncomfortability and a pain about that. And for some of us, this is new news, isn't it? Some of us, we think, no, if we're in Christ, everything's supposed to go great. No illness is supposed to come my way. My children are supposed to outlive me. My my marriage is supposed to be perfect. My family is supposed to be peaceful. My job is supposed to be plentiful in pay and and, and absent of much work. But, 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 listen, beloved, it's not that way, is it? You know why you're uncomfortable. You know why you're in pain. Because you ain't home yet. You ain't home yet. The next time someone says, where is God with all your pain? You can tell him two things. Number one, he's with you and he's home. And he's waiting for me to be home with him. John writes this to people who are in a great deal of suffering. And what he does, very interesting. What he does, what he does not do is very interesting. He doesn't tell them... Pray harder. Go to church more often. Do better. You know what? You know what John does? He starts telling them of a place that they don't know and they haven't been to. He starts to explain to them about a hope that is greater than any other hope ever. And so he writes this book of Revelation and he gives some corrections to some churches early on. I can't wait. One day we're going like to plow through. We're going to take like a year to go through the book of Revelation. It's such a cool book. Um, but he plows through some correction for some churches and he does certain things. And then he starts sharing with them about home. And so we, we pick it up and John is almost at the end of his letter. He's shared about home. He's talked about some wonderful things. And in chapter 21, John starts to write. He says this. I'll read the whole thing and then we'll kind of of break it down. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Now, I want you to stand up with me because this is a holy reading we're going to read now. This is wonderful. And no matter how cushioned the cushions are, your butt needs a rest. So (laughs) go ahead and stand. Even your... You rebellious people who say, I ain't doing nothing that pastor tells me. Boy, I'm going to sit here for the whole time. Uh, you go ahead and stand too. Um, all right. Now I'm going to ask you to read some of it with me. But we'll, we'll go back and forth, okay? Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, new Jer- the new Jerusalem coming down, out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Now let's everyone read verse four together in a nice, loud, strong voice. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Now listen. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Someone say everything new. Everything new. Oh, yes. Can somebody say I can jog after this? That's great. Um... Everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. Let's all read verse 6 and 7 together. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Isn't that good news? All right, you can have a seat. Now, God knows that you and I are uncomfortable. We're uncomfortable in our pain. We're uncomfortable with the breaking down of our bodies. We're uncomfortable with the relational strife that we see. We're uncomfortable with the jobs that we have, with the friends that we keep. We're uncomfortable with the sin that we occasionally fall into. We're, un- we're uncomfortable. And God says, but there's going to be a place to look forward to. A place to come. God knows that inside all of us there is a desire for home. Listen, I'm convinced this is the reason why some of us go through major bouts of depression. We don't recognize it, we don't think this way, but it's because there's something not right. There is, I, I mean, I, yes, yes, I look around, and you could, man, you could talk to people who are going through a depression, and they're, they'll tell you, man, it's, you know, I, I got my job, I should be happy, my kids are doing good in school, my relationship is not so bad, I've been through worse, and all this other stuff, and yet I'm in this depression. It's because you long for home. It's because you long for a place that you are not in yet. Don't unpack your bags. You're not home yet. So we look at this incredible vision that John is giving to these broken people. And God put in his word, knowing that we would long for home. And so he says this. Let's look at it more carefully. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. This is a powerful thing. There's a new... There's a, you know, sometimes, like I have a car that's going to be taken to the shop on Tuesday... And, like, you know, they're going to take it, and they're going to do some work on it, and they're going to fix it. But it's not like having a new car, right? You ever get that new car? I, I've never, I've seen people, and I've sat in other people's new cars, but I've never had a new car. And so, think Christmas. And so, no, I'm kidding. Um, so, you'll get that, some of you will get that coming, going home. And so... And so, but when you sit in a car, it's like new, and it smells different, and it feels different. It's just everything is cool. I'm getting a car. It's coming back. It's not broken. It's, it's, it's coming back better than it was, but it's like, all right, it's my car, right? It's a, it's a 96 Camry, right? right? And so that's what, that's what I'm coming home to. That's what I'm retrieving. God says, no, 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 we're not going to fix the broken world. We're going to make it new. We're not going to put some duct tape and we're not going to, you know, kind of, you know, wrap it around and then put the hose here and then hope it doesn't leak and put some, you know, put some, uh, uh, what was the anti-leak thing powder that you put in your engine because you can't afford an overhaul or whatever it is. And so like, you know, you put this other stuff and you go, oh, okay, don't leak and all that other stuff. God says, no, 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 we're going to drive off the lot with something new. It's going to be a new heaven, a new earth. Everything made new. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. Everything. You and me, everything we see. Um, Verse 2 I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Yeah, it's it's wonderful because when you read this passage, you get, um, has anybody here ever been to a wedding? If you've ever been to a wedding, right? Raise your hand if you've ever been to a wedding. Well, you'll see a couple of traditional things that are found right here in this very thing. The reason that the bride comes from the back towards the front uh, is because the husband represents Christ. Did you know that? The husband represents Christ waiting for his bride. The bride is the church. It's why the father traditionally walks the bride down, not the mother. You notice that? People, when they have both mother and father, they don't understand the the tradition behind it. The father presents to the son the beautiful bride, adorned in white, perfect, without blemish. Now, you and I could know some dirt on the bride. You and I... Come with me. Come with me. You and I could know some things about the bride that perhaps she doesn't want put on YouTube. Amen? Right? Like that night in college, right? And it was like dancing on the tables and stuff like that. But watch this. When she walks down that aisle, the father presents her without blemish. Perfect and spotless. Listen, it's not just the bride I'm talking about, is it? Hey, you don't laugh that much with that one, right? Oh, I missed that joke. Okay, now watch this. There's some dirt on you, isn't there? Right? If I put let's put it on right, let's put it on the screen, right up here. Just right there. That night that you don't want anybody to see. Oh, maybe no. <laughs> maybe no. And yet God says, I'm gonna bring the church. And I'm going to present her to Jesus. And I'm going to say, this is your holy, perfect virgin bride. Because I'm, not because she's perfect. You might know, some. listen, you might know some dirt on my wife. You better not say nothing bad about my wife in front of me. Do you understand the principle? Don't speak, you know, I'm like, I'm very passionate about. My wife could be wrong. You could have an argument. It could have been all my wife's fault. You still can't say nothing bad about my wife. (laughs) You understand that there's something jealous about a husband's affections for his wife's reputation. The father says, brings her to the son. This is perfect. Listen, you, all the stains washed away all the pain of yesterday, gone, washed clean, beautiful, perfect. And Prince, uh, the great theologian Prince, um, has a, uh, a great song that I remember back in the 90s when he was really super popular. Anybody love Prince? I love Prince. Ah, I'm like, when he came to Master Square Garden, I was like, I need to go see me some Prince. Prince. That don't mean nothing. That has nothing to do about this sermon. But my point is, um, my point is this. Prince has this wonderful line in this song, and he says this, When I am with you, girl, I have no past. I love that. It's why I cry when I pray. I don't cry. I don't naturally cry. I'm one of those, I just don't. But when I'm with the Lord in prayer, I have no past. He remembers not that evening that I wish I could wash away or that thing that was done to me as a child or that shame that was bestowed upon me by a family who didn't know any better, but to bestow shame on generation after generation. No, no, no. When I am with you, Lord, I have no past. And that's why the bride comes down, being presented by the Father to the Son, perfect, without blemish, white, without a wrinkle, or staying. perfect. Beloved, that's me and you. That's who's being presented to Jesus that way. By the Father who knows better and chooses to see you perfect. And without sin. Don't you want that? Like if, if, you, if you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, don't you want that? Listen, if you don't believe anything that I'm saying, If you don't believe anything, you say, this is pie in the sky, by and by. This is just a bunch of stuff that people, listen, this is a bunch of stuff that people used to keep people down and not acting up and not fighting against corruption and things like that. If you think that this is just something to placate a nation or a group of people so that they don't rise up, listen to me, even if you think that, don't you wish it were true? don't you want it to be true? Like all of your shame and pain, all of the mistakes you made, all of the neglect of your children, all of the wishes that you could, all of the moments you wish you could take back, all of the instances that you look upon and you feel a dark cloud come over you because they were dark moments. Listen to me. Even if you don't believe it, don't you want it to be true? There's a reason for that, because God has put a longing in your soul for home, the place where you walk in, and they celebrate, and they, they thank God for you, and they see you as perfect, and your sins are forgiven, and there's hope in living, and there's a purpose. It's what we long for. Even if you don't want it to be true. Even if you disagree with everything. Even if you just came because a pretty girl said, hey, if you come, I'll have lunch with you. Like, I don't care what your story is. Don't you want it to be true? It is. Listen. Hear Hear me. It is true. It's true. And it's for you. you don't know my past. Listen listen to some more. Listen to some more. Verse 4. He will wipe. The He is our beautiful God. Will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Let's read this next line together. For the old order of things has passed. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? So it's all gone. Because, listen, you know the pain that you're going through? You know the thing that if I start talking about, you start to well up. Everybody else has a dry eye, but you start to well up. When I start talking about the children and the regret that you have with children, and you start getting all watery because there's some real pain and some painful memories about that. Do you know the, the, the when I start talking about the marriage that's broken apart or your infidelity that nobody knows about or your, or your suffering within the marriage and, and all that stuff and, and you start welling up. It's emotional for you because it's not just something like a, 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 something theoretical. It's real and, and you experience it and it's emotional. Yeah, yeah. Washed away. Washed away. You know the the pain that you feel because your children went in a particular direction and you feel, man, if I'd have just, if I'd have intervened at a certain time, if I'd have acted in a particular way, if i maybe the relationship could be restored, maybe the relationship would be better, maybe they wouldn't have gone in that direction, maybe they wouldn't have picked up that habit, maybe they wouldn't have washed away, washed away. It's all the old order of things. It's all gone. And it's something to greatly look forward to. The old For the old order of things has passed away. I love that. I love that. Do you know that your shame, if you know Christ, if, you've, if you are in Christ and live for Jesus, do you know that your shame has an expiration date? Your shame has gone to the doctor and be given a terminal illness, and it will die and never resurrect. Heaven will take your shame and pain. Your husband might remind you of your shame, but God will never. Your children might remind you about the things that you've messed up with them, but God never will. Your wife might bring up the past over and over And over again. But your God never will. Your memories might bring up moments in time where you have failed God, done things other than His will, said and acted in ways that cause damage that is irreparable here on earth. Listen to me, beloved. God says it's an old order and it's going to die. And it'll never resurrect again. I love uh, what Cory Tin Boone says. Corey Tin Boone says, God throws your sin into the sea of forgetfulness and then puts up a sign and says, no fishing. Isn't that good? No fishing. When, the, when Satan starts to remind you of your past, you remind Satan of his future. Because there is a heaven to look forward to. Oh, but I stole from, I hurt, I, 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 I cheated on, I was disrespectful to, I didn't apply myself, I. D- Whatever your deal is, heaven, heaven takes it away. Verse five says this: He who has seated, he who was seated on the throne said, "I am making everything new." Somebody say everything new. You know that means you? Right? Right? No more, like, receding hairline. Right? No more, everything's new, right? No more counting calories. Someone say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, no more, right? Yeah. It's like, no more of that. No more, listen to me. No more, no more getting old and weak and decrepit and none, none of that. Yeah, right, yeah, amen, right? No more, ladies, no more of that, that ink that you put on your hair to make people believe that you're younger, right? You won't need it, right? The, 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 right? We all know you're all using it. <laughs> the sermon just took a wrong turn, you know. I get off on the wrong, t- no more of it. Listen to me, listen to me. I'm making everything new. But I don't love Jesus as much as I wish. I'll make that new too. But I don't obey Jesus like I want. I'll, I'll transform that too. Yeah, but, but, but you don't know where I've come from. It's okay. Remember? No fishing. No fishing. I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down because I don't want Everybody, I want everybody to read this. I want no one to forget this. Write this down, because it's worthy of being remembered. For these words are what? Trustworthy and what? True. Listen to me. The words that you share with yourself, the words that your mother told you, the words that your teachers scolded you with, they are not necessarily trustworthy and true. But the words of Jesus, they're not only trustworthy, They're true. And you can bank on them and you can rest on them and you can rejoice in them and that when depression sets in, you can go, your words, my words are not trustworthy and true, but your words are trustworthy and true. Verse 6. He said to me, it is done. Say that with me. It is done. I love that. It's done. It's a, you and me, when we think of time, we think of uh, this is the past back here, and then this is the present right where I stand, right? And the future is somewhere out there, right? For God, for God, it's all right now. It's all right now. It's already done. He already knows. He knows the end from the beginning. You can't go to God. Like There's no sweat on God's brow. You can't go to God and say, you know, God, uh, here's something new you don't know. God knows. God knows. And he goes, I love what, the way he says it. He goes, it's going to happen. He doesn't say it's going to happen. Like, you know, you'll have football teams who say, we're taking home the trophy. It's going to happen. It's like, yeah, that's, that's a cool prediction, and I hope you do, and some people make it, and some people don't. God says, no, 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 it's finished already. It's finished, ready for you to move in. It's done. Verse 6, he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, or I'm the A to the Z. I'm the first and the last. I'm the beginning and the end. I am, my, I am your all and all. To him who is thirsty, I will give drink without cost. Now look up at me. Look up at me. I've been talking to you about this heaven, this place that it's real, and my prayer is that you've developed an appetite for heaven, that you would come in this, that when you come in this place, you would be reminded every week, you would be reminded, heaven's a place to look forward to. I look for, I mean, this, this is kind of a church home, and it's kind of, you know, I, I love it because we congregate together, but there's a real home to look forward to, and that every time you would come on here, there are streets that are paved with gold, there are walls that are paved with sapphires, there are gates that are paved with pearls, they are, they just, We look forward to it, but listen to me. How do you get that? Because here's the thing. Let me just give you the bad news first. Not everybody's going there. Oh gosh, why'd you have to can you go back to saying the joke about the women's hair and like you know, right? Why do we have to go to this? Listen, listen to me. Not everybody's going there. Not that it's not offered to everybody, it's offered to everyone not everybody's gone and you go no that's not fair that's not. listen to me listen to me so you know in the end in the end the only person who gets unfair is the christian not the unbeliever listen to me if you don't want to have a relationship with god here on earth where you cannot see him why would you want to amplify that in heaven God has simply giving you what you want. Like, if, You know what would happen if God forced the person who didn't want to be in heaven in heaven? It would cease to be heaven because that person would just simply just go, I don't want to be here. Get me away from here. Listen, if obeying God and his word is a difficulty, is a stretch, why would you want to do that perfectly in heaven, right? You don't want to obey God here on earth where God is not physically present, but you want to do more of that in heaven? God is just being merciful to you. He's saying no, you don't get heaven. You don't get heaven. And so it's not for everyone. So then the question is, then how can I get in? I want in. I want in. Give me, you know, it's like double dutch, right? You know, I just, you know, just give me an opening. I'll get in. I'm going to tell you how to get in. And in is not a practice. It's not our religion. It's not a series of steps. It's a person. It's a person. And so he says, he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end to him who is thirsty. I love this line. I really love this next line. I will give to drink without cost. Isn't that good? Now listen to me. So here's Jesus. Jesus says, I'll give you water, but it won't cost you anything. It'll cost me everything. But it won't cost you anything. I will give to drink water without cost. But you go, I don't deserve it. I don't, I'm not good enough. And I go, you're right. You absolutely don't deserve it. You're not good enough. Listen, you and I have done things that are terrible. We, we've given our word and then we've broken it. We've, we've said we were going to do something and then we didn't do it. We've, seen, uh, we, we've sinned in ways of commission. That means we do things that God does not want us to do. We sin by commission, we act. And then we also sin by omission, not doing the things that God wants us to do. We sin in several different ways. And so God says, listen to me, listen to me you thirst, you thirst, you long. Anybody who's ever had an addiction understands a longing that cannot be satisfied. God says everybody in the world has a longing that they cannot satisfy. And he goes, it's a thirst. That's what he calls it. And he goes, I will quench your thirst. Now listen to me, listen to me. Now now, I want this side of the room to listen to me. You guys can listen along, but you guys, I want you to hear what I'm saying. Now listen. No religion, no guru, no set of principles, none of that can possibly get you into heaven. You might be happier, you might break an addiction, You might, but it can't possibly get you into heaven. We, we don't need help. We need saving. Does that make sense, right? You're in the ocean, right? I live right next to the ocean, right? And so imagine a person drowning, bloop, 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 bloop. You don't need need a lifeguard to be a helper. You need a lifeguard to be a savior, right? Grab you by the neck, Take you on the board and get you inside. You don't need a couple of principles. You don't need to re- actualize yourself. You don't need to have a set of principles that will help you to live your life a little bit better. And quite frankly, I have nothing against principles. I like principles. Live against it. You know, don't lie. <laughs> That's a principle. All right, you know, don't lie to me. I, I like that. That's not a bad idea. What I'm saying is that won't get you into heaven. Being good for goodness' sake is good for Santa Claus, not for Jesus. Not for Jesus. Not everybody goes there. And the reason not everybody goes there is because not everybody wants to. Not everybody wants to. Heaven is only a place for people who want to go. You know, remember um, in the Bible where um, Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and he says, thy will be done to the Father. Do you remember that? So you have God the Son praying to God the Father, um, Thy will be done. In the end, there are two types of people. There are two types of people in the end. There are people who say to Jesus, Thy will be done. And submit to him and get to enjoy him forever in heaven. There are those people and then there are another people who God with tears in his eyes says, I will be done. So, so we need this. We want this. We want the we want the I want the bridal outfit. I want to be seen perfect. I want to be I want to have forgotten past. I want to be able to endure trials and suffering here on earth because we ain't home. How, how does it happen? It says Verse. To him who is thirsty, verse the second part of verse 6, to him who is thirsty, I will give drink without cost, without cost from the spring of the water of life. Anybody know who that is? It's Jesus. It says verse 7. I love this part. He who overcomes will inherit all this. You know what it means to overcome when the Bible says he who overcomes? It simply means this. He who receives that which I'm presenting. He who overcomes. Because those who... It means you'll overcome the world with the power of Jesus Christ. And so I want that for you. Listen to me. You want that for you. I mean, really. Is anybody here going, God, so, you know, I'm so mad at you. God, because you try to give me heaven. And you try to give me blessings. And you just want me to be happy. I'm so mad at this kind of theology. It's the kind of stuff that keeps me from church. Right? Like, is anybody here saying that? Like, is anybody, like, you know, is anybody here going, you know what, God, you just want me to be smiling all the time. Gosh darn it. I don't want that anymore. Like, who wants that? Like, who says that? Who says that? Listen to me. Listen to me. It's for you. It's for you who's a skeptic. If you're like me, and you don't believe everything you hear, and that's cool. It's, it's for you. You're like me. It's for you who's grimy and who messed up bad and who just, you know, just really, listen, you're like me and it's for you. It's for you who have things in your past that you would never even share with your best friend. You're like me and it's for you. It's for you. Won't you receive it? Won't you receive it? Today can be your day. Today can be the day where you said, I'm going to go from earth to heaven. I'm going to go from hotel to looking forward to my home. I'm going to go from living, looking forward to death, to living for eternity in Christ. It's for you. So here's how it happens. I'm going to see if I can make this really super clear because you've heard stuff all your life about heaven. Just be a good person. No, my goodness. You cannot be a good person. You can't be good enough. So I'm going to try to make this as clear as possible and beg God to really just, man, if you know Jesus, just start praying now because I want to give you the gospel. Here's the gospel. The gospel is, is that you are worse than you think. The gospel is that you are are worse than you think. All your secrets, all your pain, all your suffering. You think you're a good person because you compare yourself to me. And you're good compared to me. But you're no, you're, listen, you might play, be able to play basketball really good compared to me. But like, you're not, like if we had Shaquille O'Neal or if we had Michael Jordan or if we had, you know, somebody else like that, you wouldn't, you'd look foolish. See, as long as you compare yourself to people like me, you, you're pretty good. But good is a relative thing. When we compare ourselves to the holiness of God, you ain't good. Some of you think that all you have to do is just dispel the belief that there's a sin at all. You just have to stop believing that sin even exists. And that's where your salvation will come from. And there's yet there's something in your soul that rumbles and says, Nah. Like, even if, you believe, even if you believe that there's no sin for you, you want everybody around you to believe that there's sin for them, don't you? Right? Like, even if you believe that lying is not a sin, you don't want people to lie to you, right? Even if, even if you believe that going outside your relationship is, is, is not a sin, you want your spouse to be real, real faithful, don't you? Right? Even if you believe some things for yourself, you don't want that for everybody else because there's something inside of you that says that's not right. It's true. You are worse than you think. But the gospel doesn't end there. And you are more loved than you can imagine. The gospel is that you're worse than you think. I was with somebody this week and uh, he was telling me about his lifestyle and his stuff and how his just hurt all his life that he was just a He'll never make up. This is the phrase that he said. He'll never make up. No matter how many degrees, no matter how many uh, colleges, no matter how many awards he gets, he'll never make up for the mess-ups of his past. And finally, we had something we could agree on. Of course. God never made you to make, make that up. That's You know who made that up? Jesus made that up. And that's the point. The point is you can't be good enough. I mean... You can be better than me, and you probably are. But not for a holy God. Receiving Christ. And so what does it mean to receive Christ? It means simply to say, Jesus, I am sinful. I'm a mess, and I desperately need your salvation. The musicians are going to come up. We're almost done. What's stopping you? Let me ask you, what is stopping you? Now, for those of you who are here and you know Jesus, here's how this message gets applied to your life. If you're going home and you're excited about going home, don't you want to invite some people home? Right? If you're excited about heaven, like if you're going, if heaven is home and you're going home, don't you want to invite more people? The people in our meetings, in, our, in, our, uh, uh, in uh, the place we hang out, in our workspaces, uh, our families. Don't you want to invite them home? Don't you want to... I mean, because you don't want to come home alone. You, you want home to be filled with many people who are presented to Christ. So for you who know Jesus, I want you to start inviting people home. Starting today. Go, yo, you got to come home with me. Well, when are you going home? Well, either when Jesus comes or when I die. One of the two. But my point is, I want you there with me. I want you there with me. Those of you who believe. Now, for those of you who don't believe, I want you to know, I'm inviting you home. Come home with me. Come home with me. You have an opportunity. So, I'm going to pray. I want you to take your yellow card out. I'm going to pray for you. Fill out the yellow card, as much as you feel comfortable with. But listen to me. On the yellow card, on one side, it says, Decision made for today. Now, if you already know Jesus, listen to me. If you already know Jesus, he's your Lord, he's your Savior. Not just, oh, I was baptized as a baby. Not, not, no, I'm talking about he's your life. You live for him. He has authority over your body. That Jesus. Okay. If, you're, if, if, if you know he saved you, and you, okay, listen to me. I want you to write. And if you're intending on inviting people to come to church next week, to dialogue with them about a relationship with Christ, just, and if you don't know what to say, just go, hey, I'm on Sunday, what are you doing? Nothing? I'll take you out to lunch after we go to church. Why don't you come with me? I'll pick you up. Something as simple as that. Listen. You can do that. If you're going to do that this week, you're going to invite somebody else to come over. What I want you to do is I want you to write inviting them home. That'll let us know to pray for you as you invite other people home to heaven to have a relationship with Jesus. If you have not received Christ, you have an opportunity. Now, in a couple of seconds, I'm going to ask you to stand if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This is shocking and this is See, but it's, it, you're making a proclamation. You're saying, I am going to stand because I want Jesus to be Lord and Savior. It's not by standing that he becomes your Lord and Savior, but it's by standing that you make the proclamation. And then, I want you to just simply, in your heart, just go, Jesus, I've, I've sinned against you. I need your forgiveness. I want to be with you home. Now, I'm going to do that in a couple of seconds now, as the uh, musicians played softly. One of the things that I want you to know is that everything in you, you're going to have two things going on. One is like, no, don't stand. No, you, you, you were, don't worry, you were baptized as a baby. Come on, it's your tradition. You've already, you know, whatever it is. Or, no, I'm not going to, listen, you stand. But what about the person next to me that I'm going to feel embarrassed? You stand. But I thought I did this already. Yeah, you stand. Now, those of you who've never received Jesus Christ, in other words, if you receive received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's not, you don't get saved over and over again. It's just once. You know, it's a one-shot deal. If you want. I'm going to ask you to stand. Okay? So you ready? Count of three. I want you to just jump up. Because one, two, I love that. Three, stand. All right. I love that. I love that. All right. I love that. Praise God for you. Praise God for you. I love that. Praise you, Lord Jesus. We celebrate you, oh God. You are a gracious and holy God who deserves our worship and honor and obedience. You are a great God. Hallelujah. Now, now listen to me. Listen to me. Um, Just want to give you a little bit of instruction while you guys are standing. Now listen. Here's the good news. The good news is that you don't have to work for God to love you. The fact that you're standing now is proof that He's drawn you here and that He loves you already. And so we don't work for God to love us. He loves us and he draws us to himself. Isn't that good news? That's good news. Now watch this. You don't have to work for God to do for you. You don't have to struggle. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to listen to me. It's his gift. He put it in your heart to come today. He made a way for you. got it through through invitation or whatever it was. He put it in your heart to he put it in our hearts to make this message a reality. We're deviating from a schedule. Listen. Because he loves you like that. He loves you like that. So here's all I want you to do. I simply want you to confess to Jesus in a, in a, in a quiet, in your heart way. Just Jesus, my sin. You could name the greatest shameful thing you've ever done. That's what I did. I told him about the shame, most shameful thing and it was encapsulated and that was all the other shames that I had. Now listen, listen. You just pray that. Let's pray that. Play softly. Father... Um, We come before you. And I I pray for my friends who stood up. Lord, um, you know the grievous sin of our past. You know the things that we've done. And Lord, maybe it was just staying away from you. That was our sin. And Lord, I just pray that that these brothers and sisters would be able to confess their sins to you. I stole from my mother. I... I didn't take care of my kids well. I participated in this activity that was shameful. And Lord, I pray that you would, in that moment, remind them of the price that you paid for that sin. The price that you paid for their salvation and ours and mine. Thank you, O God loving us the way you do. But Father, also we ask that you would come into our hearts. That this prayer would be their prayer. That you would come into their hearts. That you would reside in them. That you would be the boss of their bodies. That they would live for you. And Lord, that you would help us as a church to help them grow in this decision. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.